Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris and I'm joined by Stu. Hello. And no Tom this week because scheduling is extremely difficult with us three. Um, and we're here to review whatever that was at the weekend. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're here to review it and, I mean, the joke is we're here to preview the day, the Dutch Grand Prix, aren't we? Because, uh, yeah, I mean... There's not really... Ugh. I think there's a lot to talk about for all the wrong reasons. There is. There's, there's, there's plenty to talk about. It's a good job. I'm really glad we didn't do... We were going to do the recording straight after the race. Mm, we're, and, we're envisioning um, starting us about, what, 2.30, 3 o'clock hour time in the afternoon? At which yeah. point we were still sat watching a rainy bit of tarmac in Belgium. <laughs> yeah, and I'm really glad we've waited like a day in the end because I feel like you guys listening are going to get a much more balanced <laughs> argument <laughs> about the whole thing. Uh, I yeah. Think, I also think it's just good to let the dust settle on these things and see a little bit more news come out and stuff because it was such a bizarre situation that if we if we had recorded straight after it or during it even, then you wouldn't have got your money's worth out of today's episode. So this is a better way of doing it, I think. No, like we we generally try and keep things fairly positive around here. And I think if we'd done this straight after, it wouldn't have been positive in the slightest. No, um, no. I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to As it is, it's not going to be the today, most positive episode we've ever done. Um, yeah. I guess we'll start with qualifying because that was a... That was one, rad. Qualifying was sick. Yeah. One incident aside, it was a very, very enjoyable session to watch. Um, I mean, I think... We were probably that that should that was Norris's session. Like, there's no two ways yeah. about it. Lando Norris was just making every. It reminded me of um, I can't remember what year it was. You remember in Brazil when it was raining and qualifying, and Hulkenberg turned up in a Williams and just blitzed yeah. everyone. Everyone was like, "Yeah, he's given us a bit of a driving lesson there," kind of thing. It was that kind of. He was, he was looking that way for Norris. Yeah, he was until so good. Until, until he wasn't killing. You know, he it. wasn't. Yeah, and. Okay, I guess to, to the first bit of negativity is that that session should absolutely not have started at that point. Like, do you think so? No, I don't think so. When like it was the worst the rain had been the whole time. You had all the drivers out on the outlap saying, "This is no good. We can't like we're really struggling out here." I I don't think ultimately Norris crashed because he was the first on the road. If he wasn't yeah. the first on the road, whoever else was would have been the first one to crash. Like, yeah. It, it, it was just like, we'll start the session and someone's definitely going to crash and then we'll red flag the rest of it and finish mm. later on. Like, I don't know. That, that left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I have a confession to mm. that. I didn't watch it live. I watched it. <laughs> I, skipped, I skipped through the breaks. So I didn't get the same experience of everyone else watching it. Because yeah. it, wasn't it delayed? Q3 was delayed a little bit. Yeah, so it? they delayed it, but they just they just started it too soon. They, they, right. there was, yeah. In, in in this uh, podcaster's humble opinion, anyway, um, mm-hmm. if that have just given it another ten minutes, probably would have been fine. Probably would have been talking about a Norris pole position, given what happened yeah. up to that point. But, um, yeah, like it, it, I think it especially bothered me, given what had happened the day before in the W Series race, also in kind of changeable conditions where the rain had come down. And we ended up with a really scary six-car pile-up at the top of our rouge. And, like, you know, it wasn't that long ago we had that massive accident in um, GT3, which left Jack Aitken in hospital. 
and mm-hmm. you know we're only a couple of years on from Hubert's accidents like yeah it's just not a track and a corner in particular that you want to be rolling the dice with and i think yeah like in general for this weekend i think in terms of safety they tended to err very much on the side of caution and i think that's something to be applauded from the race direction and stewarding yep. point of view but agreed that session i think they got that wrong the, yeah okay and uh, the, the if you haven't seen the w series shunt up irish um it's nasty isn't it's it it's really nasty really, one. really really, really nasty scary one, yeah and um, i hadn't actually seen it until yesterday yeah like um finally saw it and i was like whoa my giddy aunt that is a scary one like bites car got like punted just directly straight up into the air and just came like flat back down again which like yeah. it was almost above the catch fencing like just i've never seen a car just go vertically up and vertically back down again but mm. not rotating like it's a really strange one um yeah. And it kind of opens up the question of that corner or that complex of corners, whether, um, and like, this is such a sacrilegious thing to say in most, most sport because oh, it's God, like Chris, a legend, you, you know, it's like doing? No, don't do a it. legendary corner. But like, you have to ask the question whether in its current setup, and by that I mean track, barriers, run off the whole shebang. Yeah. Has motorsport, particularly Formula One, outgrown that corner? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I think the corner itself that I don't really have an issue with. I think it's easy flat in most conditions in a Formula One car. Um, I think the other the other it's much more of an event in your sort of feeder series, like your W series, your Formula Threes, your F twos, GT cars. You know, like all those are, it's much more of an event, of an event, I can't speak, much more of an event, that corner in those series. I think the shape of the corner and the profile of it is fine, though. I, I wouldn't change that because motorsport these days, I think, lacks a bit of, of a bit of those corners. Like, though, you know, you don't, you don't really have that many, like, yee-haw, as Martin Brundle will put it, yee-haw corners. <laughs> I think what can be improved is the runoff. I think that there are that there's they've talked this weekend already about plant before even any of this happened. They were already talking about reprofiling the sort of not reprofiling the corner, but but adjusting the runoff. Yeah, because changing the angle slightly um, runoff to make it a bit safer. Because a lot of it comes from they want to have um, it's either MotoGP or World Superbike. I think maybe World Superbikes they want to have there in in the next few years. So a lot of the changes are going to make to the circuit is to accommodate that. but yeah, so one, the one big change they're going to make is the the wall on the left-hand side. Because the problem is that corner is like literally carved into the side of a hillside. And they're going to be spending like millions of euros basically just like carving out a bit of hillside so they can move that wall back. Um, yeah, they're also a few going to, meters, yeah. Yeah, it looks like quite a significant chunk they're going to move it back actually. Um, Does it? On the left-hand side. The right-hand side, there's no plans to change anything, but... So yeah, but it's the left hand side that's a problem, isn't it? Because it's such a small area well, it just, and it's angled, it just punts anyone that crashes back onto the track, and that's where exactly. the problems start. Um, they're also yeah. going to be putting gravel back into some of the runoff. I'm not they haven't said exactly how much and which parts, but there's definitely going to be gravel traps reintroduced, which has its pluses and minuses, I guess. Yeah, I think that's been the tr- that circuit, they've they've actually added in some 
some more gravel in places, haven't they, mm. in the last year? So like the um, at the end of the the big long straight, and then you go the right, left, right. The Kennel Straits. The, ke- yeah. the end of the Kennel Straight. There's the right, the left, and then the right down the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, so that right, as you as you go to go down the hill to the big, really really late apex, slow right hander, um, they've put loads of they've put extra gravel in there as well. And yeah. that caught actually that was caught Verstappen out in um, yes it practice was too. Um, and yeah, I know they're planning on putting gravel in at um, the hairpin and. <laughs> very quickly turning into the gravel episode. Yeah, a couple of the places. So, you know, they're, they're making changes to the place. And so, some of it's with safety in mind, some of it's to make room for more grandstands and stuff as these things always are. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad changes are being made because it's it's weird that like people don't want to change corners like Eau Rouge and like Blanchemont and 130R and Cops because it's like, oh, these are these like mighty legendary corners. But Actually, these days, in normal dry conditions, they're kind of a non-event with modern F1 cars. Like, I, cop, Cops is still a challenge. 130R is just, you turn the wheel slightly yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you're through it. Like, Eau Rouge isn't really, like, all the drivers say it's easy flat these days. Yeah, but, I think the thing, though, is there's a romance about, you know, these cars hmm. going around the same corners that, you know, cars decades and decades yeah, ago totally. went round, you know, and then being the same. Like, there's definitely... They're almost like there's not many constants in the world, are there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's nice for, especially in a sport like Formula One. And it's nice when, when Formula One does have so few constants. You know, the cars are changed every year, the driver market moves around so much, the the teams are constantly in flux. Well, although we had had a very steady period of teams now, but mm. historically it's been you know in and out, in and out, hasn't it? But it's revolving door for a long, <laughs> for a lot of time, for a lot of time. So to have like these these sections of track that have remained the same for so many years, I think is a special thing. It's, yeah. it's, and it's not something that they should sort of think change lightly. Yeah, definitely. And like I'm I'm definitely not like saying, oh, they need to stick a chicane at the bottom of it or something like that, which they actually did back in like ninety-three or ninety-four for some safety reasons. It was a bit of a joke. But um yeah, it's a balance, isn't it? You don't want to mess with things like, like you say, you don't do it lightly. But at the same time, like, there's plenty of places on, on calendars in years gone by. In fact, most of the old spa circuits, in fact, you know, the whole of the Norwich life from various other corners. Yeah, they changed or got rid of because they were unsafe. So I don't think I don't think anything should be exempt from that. But at the same time, as we've as we've said, the biggest problem with that corner is the way that if you have an incident there, it just spits you back onto the track, and it looks like they're trying to do something to change that. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that no, nowhere should be exempt. Exempt. I think if you know if a situation does arise where suddenly a corner has become so ridiculously unsafe for the for current generation racing cars, be that Formula One, be that Will Endurance cars, be that hypercars, be whatever then there's just no point risking the lives of no. of the drivers for entertainment sake or for romance's sake. Like it's just, it, it is daft. It sounds a silly thing to have to say, but you kind of do have to say it. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. So, but, 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 you know, back to sort of Eau Rouge, 
they're not the the the, the profile of the corner of its it, itself will remain the same. They're just wanting to add yeah, extra run, essentially add extra runoff so that cars don't bounce back onto the track into the path. Of yeah, the exactly. Vehicles, which is which is exactly fair what enough. Needs. Yeah, yeah, it is what it's needed for a while actually. Yeah. Um, back to quali. Back to quali. Um, and George Russell qualified second. In I've I've seen people who've crunched the data throughout the whole of the weekend up until that point. The Williams was absolutely unquestionably the second slowest car at that track this weekend. Like through every other session, second slowest through all the data, and George Russell stuck it second. <laughs> wow, that's it. That's absolutely hectic. Like I, I, I don't want to turn this into hmm. another George Russell. George Russell, who's he? Another George Russell appreciation episode, which happens here quite a lot. Does. But I genuinely think that is like, that was one of the all-time great qualifying laps. Like in a few years time when he is winning championships, that's a lap that we're going to look back on as like, that was that was yeah. when that was when we knew. That was, that's when like, George Russell arrived. Yeah, like <laughs> unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Jensen Button actually texted the boss at um, just just Capito just Capito was it Capito or Capito? I always say Capito, but I there's a very good chance I'm wrong. Yeah. So Jensen Button actually texted him and immediately said that is the best lap I have ever seen. Really? Ever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it and it, and it was a almighty lap. He was so unlucky not to get pole from that lap. Yeah, I mean, what was it? Was it like three tenths in the end, Verstappen? For three and a bit tenths. Yeah, so three and, and a half tenths roughly. Not to take anything away from Verstappen, like his qualifying lap was also fantastic, but the difference between the Red Bull and the Williams, I yeah. know they always say rain is the great equaliser, but even so. Yeah, I think when you've got the fastest car on the yeah. grid, arguably, again, well, probably the best aero package on the grid compared to probably the worst aero package on the grid in those conditions as well. It's unbelievable. Just, I mean, you, you can't deny George Russell the best lap of qualifying regardless of where he finished <laughs> like <laughs> compare the two when you compare those two cars i think george russell drove the better lap yeah. yeah despite it not being as fast so good so good um which i guess takes us to the race um yeah so I'll, there's a couple of interesting talking points isn't there yeah i'll I'll, the I'll do the bullet points of what happened just to start us off and then okay like normally we have like a whole list of bullet points for the things that happen in a race to go through. And we've got next to nothing this week. We can... It's a short list. Yeah. Like I, we'll just talk and see where we go. So like, well, I guess it started with Perez sticking it on the wall on the way to the grid, which unsurprising, I think it was always likely that someone was going to, um, unlike the Stappen in Hungary, it was too far in the wall and too broken to get back round yeah. to get it fixed. Um, however, he ended up with the car back in the pits on the back of a truck. And because we had... So in the meantime, we had the start delayed, then we had a lap or two behind the safety car, and then they all went back in. And at that point, nobody seemed to know if the race had started, if it had, how many laps they'd done, whether the three-hour race timer had started. Complete confusion. And no answers forthcoming from anywhere. Um in among all of that, Red Bull got the car back and fixed it and actually were able to put Perez back into the race, which in itself is bizarre. But given all the other things we've got to talk about, that's probably quite low on the list. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, it, is, it is pretty low on the list, but gone. So every race has to happen within three hours of the start time. Um, but after, I think it was two hours in, the FIA used the force majeure rule, which basically is in, in all of the FIA rules, there's the force majeure, which basically says, but we can do whatever we want if we see fit. So they <laughs> use that to basically stop the three-hour timer for a while to open up the window of time in which to try and get a race, which seemed weird at the time, but actually I don't have a huge problem with that. Like I do, do think that was just them trying to give themselves the best chance yeah, of getting Yeah, I think that was probably the, the one sensible thing they did yeah. through the entire <laughs> of events. Um, then three hours after the planned start time, the cars went back out did two laps behind the safety car, came back in, at which point they finally called off the event for good. Um, because of those two laps, the minimum requirement for a race was hit, which meant the race counted, but because it was less than 75%, half points got awarded. Um, gave us the shortest race in F1 history, um, it beating the 14-lap Australian Grand Prix from 91. Um, bizarrely, because... The rules say you have to do a minimum of two laps, but also if a race is red flagged, there's the count back rule. So officially by the race results, the race was one lap. Um, and as an additional little tidbit, because the the start line and the finish line aren't in the same place on the racetrack, and it's quite a big distance at Spa, the official race distance was 6.88 kilometers, which is actually less than a lap. Spa is, <laughs> Spa is just over um, seven kilometers. So they actually did less than a lap according to the official results. Um, that's just, that's outrageous, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's mad. It's only the sixth time in history that half points have been awarded. Um, as I say, but the shortest race by a long margin. I mean, yeah. I mean, where do we start? Well, I think, you know, if we start at the beginning... I think is a good idea. I think the whole thing with Perez, I will, I do, I would like to talk about. The yeah, yeah, go for thing. it. Because, well, I, I just don't see how, how he got the car. Christian Horner said on TV, "We believe that we got the car back to the garage under its own power," <laughs> and everyone saw it on the back of a lorry and with just the driver out of the car. Categorically having, untrue. Yeah, like it's just. He almost had a smirk on his face as he said it, and it's bizarre. It's, it, may, it just makes a mockery of the rules to me. Like the it, whole that whole thing was just absolutely ridiculous. Cl- clearly, there's there's a loophole in the rules they've exploited yeah, there, obviously. Um, and you know, I, I guess fair play to them. Any other team would probably try yeah. and do the same thing. It's it's a ridiculous loophole that I imagine will get closed, along with lots of other quirks in the rules that came to yeah. light this weekend, but. Very. I mean, ultimately, it didn't matter, but it could have done. And it's. No. I think if it, I think strange. if the race had gone ahead, I think there would have been a protest. I think a oh, few yeah. teams would have been Definitely. protesting against Definitely. him, against that car being allowed to race. Yeah, because absolutely. From my reading of the rules, when I read it uh, over the weekend, I mean, Tom and I disagreed, and I will sort of. I can I can see I can totally see Tom's point of view and and I have my point of view on it and I don't think either of us are wrong because it's a badly written rule. Well, that's the thing. That, if you if you have a a rule where you, two different people have two different opinions on it, probably not a very good rule. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I suppose the problem also is when that rule was written, this situation wasn't thought of, and that okay, rule yeah, just yeah. 
doesn't do the job in that situation, I suppose. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it was it's very bizarre. Yeah, they've got a difficult job because they can't. You know, it's impossible to have clairvoyance to consider every possible you know, situation when writing any yeah. rule set. Like there's always going to be quirks and there's always going to be, you know, strange things happen, anomalies that happen mm. that you just can't, simply cannot account for. But I think this one, you know, a car being in a wall and then the race starting and the car having been on the back of a lorry and then to be unretired is just I mean they even came on the radio to to race control to say we're going to we won't be starting yeah. the race we're going to we, we're officially I don't know I don't know exact words that were said but it was was to the effect of we are retiring the car yeah. so they retired the car yeah. <laughs> and then unretired it so they could do x number of laps behind the safety car which is a whole other thing um but yeah I mean it that just to me before before any of the sort of you know at that point we're expecting to have a race in mm. an hour's time or whatever we're just <laughs> waiting for the race to start so that was at that point that was the most interesting thing for anyone to talk about and they did talk about it quite a bit, quite a bit because there was literally nothing else yeah. for the commentators and, to talk about and, and hats to be off fair to, to the them, commentators yeah. for soldiering they, on <laughs> they earned their money did martin and um crofty and probably all the international commentators yeah as well, they have earned their money over the weekend we can be quite critical of them at times but yeah they there aren't many people who could have done the job they did. Yeah, they did. A, they did do a really good job. I think even for Crofty, like Crofty was kind of like you know, often Crofty in these kind of situations comes into his own. I think because mm. it kind of like a lot of the time it, during the practice sessions and stuff where they try to turn it into an episode of Test Match Special and it gets a bit <laughs> silly, then it would have been easy for them to for Crofty to go down that road with it while they're waiting. But actually, like he seemed to take it all quite seriously. He was quite was measured, all, wasn't it? quite measured yeah exactly mm. so i'm i'm pleased about that at least um so i think the the obviously the decision to delay the start of the race completely correct at the point they initially went out behind the safety car to give it a go fair enough we were what 20 25 minutes in the rain had eased a little bit get the cars behind the safety car we'll give it a go it didn't pan out they came back in fine Sit yeah. and wait for the weather to change. It was the right choice. That was not conditions you can send Formula One cars out. No, categorically. Absolutely. Stop, as we already said, stopping the timer to try and give themselves a bit more time. Yeah, fine. Like it, it, it seems like a good, a smart choice if you feel like the weather's going to change. The point I start to have a problem, and I'm sure you do as well, is when they sent them back out for the second time. Um. Yeah. The, the way I see it, there's only three reasons they would send them back out at that point in time. Okay. Either they genuinely believe that the weather was going to allow them to go racing. And I think everybody watching that could see the conditions were as bad, if not slightly worse than the first time they tried. Yeah. Well, that's I, what the feedback was, wasn't it? The yeah. feedback was, it's worse. And I genuinely don't believe that Michael Massey and the stewards are stupid or naive or whatever enough to think that that was ever going to happen 
Yeah. The other possibility is somebody just wanted to get the laps done so Max Verstappen could have a win and close the points gap a, a bit. And I don't believe that's the case. I, there's, I don't think no, there's that. I don't. Yeah, I think that's, wow. You've got to be careful with those ones. Yeah, but that's the, really that's the kind of thing you see being banded around online. I just like, it's it's worth just, just... Twitter madness though. Yeah, right, exactly. I, I don't believe for a second that's the case. And the only other possibility I can see is that there was pressure coming from somewhere to go out, get the two laps they needed done, to be able to call it an official race result and then pack up and go home so we can call it a race. And mm. I just, I, I don't see another version of those events. And to me, that's just really cynical. And yeah. You, you, so where, where would that pressure come from, do you think? I mean, so a, a lot of the talk I've seen has been around ticket prices and refunds and i don't think that's it i don't think when when you buy a ticket to go to a race there's nothing in the terms and conditions that says if there's not a race we'll give you a refund and Mm -hmm. that's purely between the circuit and the fans f1 the fya have nothing to do with that yeah they have no control over that it's not that while while i do believe that the people who were forced to sit there for hours to not see anything probably do deserve some of their money back i don't think that is a factor in that decision to send the cars out. Right. There is, however, an awful lot of commercial stuff behind the scenes where having that go down as a race happened makes lots of commercial deals a lot easier for the people in charge. And it was so obvious as well. The second they decided to go out, it was just immediately obvious that they're going to go out, do two laps, come back in and call it. And it's just like, I think that shows a lack of respect to the teams and drivers. It shows a lack of respect for the championship and the integrity of the sport. And it's a lack of respect for the fans, particularly the ones who are, have been sat there in the rain for five hours. Like, yeah. So it's just a box ticking exercise, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was a box ticking exercise. And I just really dislike it. I just don't. Yeah. It stinks, doesn't it? Yeah, I, just think. I think the whole way they that they handled that, like the whole way they handled the the pause, and the, it was it was just so obvious that there wasn't going to be any running on that day. Mm. The weather had been horrendous leading up to it. They've seen the weather forecast. Everyone's got weather forecasts for hours and hours and hours worth of rain ahead of them. <laughs> I just, for me, they've just cancelled Japan. I don't know why. I mean, some, I'm sure someone in the comments will tell us or someone on the internet will tell one of the listeners, hopefully. I mean, and, and please do. I don't see why they couldn't have postponed it. They could have, they could have said, right, we're going we're gonna to pause this event here. And then in the end, at the end of September, I think it's the first weekend of November was supposed to be, wasn't it? Let me get my calendar. No, it's the first weekend of, um, of October. They've move the calendar around so when the japanese grand prix was going to be is now going to be i think the turkish grand prix which has left a whole sort of on saturday and sunday the second and third of october mm-hmm. now for me i think you could have easily just depending on what's going on in the circuit that weekend you could have potentially paused this race weekend at that point so at the well basically say starting grid yeah and gone there on the Saturday and the Sunday, got everything geared up and said, "Okay, we're going to have a we're going to have a race this weekend, even though we don't know what the weather's going to do. We're there for two days. We've got a, 
a literally a 48-hour window here where we can have a Formula 1 race, a proper mm. Formula 1 race. And we yeah. can just start the grid from the qualifying that we had that we've already done. You could so maybe have just like that point. a little extra bonus practice session so they can get the right yeah, again. To, to get them in, yeah. And then, yeah. Because yeah. there was there was talk about can we postpone this to the next day, but that's, that's not feasible. Not, that's feasible. Like, not feasible. You've got the marshals, you've got the tracks staff. Like for that alone, there's no guarantee all those people. Like it, it was a bank holiday here in the UK. It wasn't in um, Belgium. So most of those yeah. marshals will have been at work the next day. So that's not super feasible, unfortunately. But... Yeah, like there were, there just were a lot of other options, and like most of the drivers, like basically everyone other than Red Bull and Williams, understandably, like yeah. most drivers would just seem to be of the opinion that it was a bit of a farce, and that they don't really feel like anyone should have been getting points for that. And I asked this question on Twitter actually, like of of the people watching who we interact with, like trying to gauge opinion, and there were. There were a percentage of people who said, like, fair enough, you're awarding points here for two laps behind the safety car, but given that we can't have a race, let's at least reward what the drivers did on Saturday in qualifying. No, 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 no. I, like, I can see where you're coming from, but the problem is you don't award drivers for qualifying any other race of the week, of the season. So why suddenly change the rules to that on the fly yeah that no that's just that's that's bonkers that's yeah, literally I, I, you know you you go to everything that goes before the race is preparation for the race the points are awarded on a sunday afternoon hmm. that's when the points otherwise we'd have points for qualifying and points yeah. for practice fastest in other sessions and things no uh, the whole thing is about the grand prix it's not about the practice session. It's not about the, the lead up to the Grand Prix. It is about the big race at the end of the weekend. That's when you get your points. You could, you I could... just don't buy this. You know, they're not earning points until no. they, they earn them on the racetrack by overtaking other cars and by racing other cars. Mm-hmm. You, you could maybe understand it if like before the event, they said the weather's looking bad this weekend. Just so you all know coming into this weekend, if we get to Sunday and we can't do a race, we will be giving points for the grid order. At least then the teams know that's the setup. And like, yeah, even yeah, that doesn't feel with, right, but, like, but at least they're that's all not right. working I don't think that's that. right either. But to just I think that, basically the mo- on a whim after the event's happened, say, oh, we're not going to have a race, but you've done two laps around the safety car. So Here's you're basically points. getting points yeah. for qualifying. Like. Yeah. Now it's, I think that's a. Points are awarded for racing, and no racing happened this weekend. So I'm firmly of the opinion that there should absolutely shouldn't have been. They, shouldn't have been points. <laughs> I think the thing that like, and people may disagree with my read on this that it was that cynical to just generate a result. I maybe wouldn't be so convinced of it if they'd done a few more laps. But the fact that they went out and just did exactly the, the two laps they needed, and the moment they had enough for a result, then they red flagged it. Like it's just yeah. It's very and the simple. whole time, I think the whole time as well, they're they're trying to hide it underneath the the, the thin veil of safety. And don't like, don't get me wrong, I'm all about safety. Like they should have, you know, all the safety, all the actual decisions that have been made on the basis of safety this this weekend have been the right decisions. And I want all the drivers to be safe. Yeah. But don't pretend that running two laps behind a safety car is is out of 
out of you know is because they wanted yeah. to play it safe. Well, if they want, if they really wanted to play it safe, they wouldn't have sent the cars out in those conditions because they were worse. Well, as as Paul said in the chat, like it's, it was entirely possible someone could still have binned it in those two laps behind the safety car. Like just because you have behind the safety car in those conditions, it's still entirely possible. But um, it's a it's it's a lot less likely, isn't it? It's it's always a lot lot less likely, but it's still a possibility. Um, and like F one have already said they're going to look into rule changes around this, probably upping the minimum number of laps to have a result, making them actual green flag laps as well. Yeah, it should because, be actual racing laps, not safety car laps. Yeah, because the history books will say Max Verstappen won that race and there wasn't, there just simply wasn't a race. And like, and also what if now like Verstappen got what? 12 and a half points. Hamilton got yeah. seven and a half points. If Verstappen wins this championship by a couple of points, like, yeah, it's, you're going to look back and on it's this. Gonna and gonna be and like, it's going to be a tight margin. It is. Yeah. And, and, and the flip side as well, like at the, at the other end of the grid, Williams had another, Double points for it. In fact, that's a there's a fun stat. Williams are the only team in the last two races to have scored points with both cars in both races. <laughs> that's so bizarre. That's a good one. But like Williams are up to twenty points in the standings now. Um, Alpha are on three, Haas are on zero. When oof, before this weekend just gone, Alpha and Haas still had a slim chance. That they could have overhauled Williams, and for those yeah, teams, maybe not Haas. Haas, I think Haas probably stretched, not. But... Alpha probably had an outside chance. That's massive money to those smaller teams now because they just, oh, uh, here have some points. Alpha yeah. don't stand a chance there. Alpha are cemented in ninth place. There's nothing for them to race for for the rest of the season now. Yeah, because um, literally got half a season left <laughs> because they did two laps behind the safety car. Well, the only thing they've got left to race for is to make sure that they're racing Haas now. Yeah, the, the, they, they, they just need to make they, sure they don't come last. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> uh, that's a good. That is a crazy start. That's a really fun start. Um, mm. Max Verstappen at the end of the race. There's some interesting tweets that went out by different parties. Um, Max Verstappen said, "It's a shame the bad weather denied us a proper race. It's P1, but the real winners are all the fans that <laughs> stayed at the track <clears throat> in the rain all day. Incredible." Um, and I had to. I literally. I had <laughs> to respond to it. I had to. I'm, I'm the last person to have tweeted it as well. Um, and I just said to him, "I'm sorry, mate, but the fans were not winners today by any stretch of the imagination." Yeah, I'm not sure because what I was in such a there. rage at having sat there for four hours to see nothing go wrong. So back to the point that sorry, see nothing happened. So back to the point I was trying to make, like the way they handled that when it was so obvious that there wasn't going to be any more running, just wasted everyone in the audience at home and at the tracks afternoon. Yeah. Like we were all just stuck watching it, especially like you know, I guess like. It's a bit sort of, what's the word? It's a little bit meter to talk about sort of content creators and things like that. But everyone who's got any involvement in media around Formula One has had their afternoon that they've given up ruined <laughs> by the fact that there was no running and they didn't get to see the thing. And plus, I was so excited to see this race. Like it just makes it all the more bitterly disappointing. Um so yeah, that that stunk. There's so there's just so many wrong turns. They could have so easily just postponed it and said we'll try and run the race again at a later date. And it's it's like they they were buying time, scratching around trying to come up with a solution, and then just lacked the creativity to to even yeah. 
make a solution in the first place. And the other thing is, like, we come to this circuit all the time and the weather is always unpredictable. How has it taken that? Like, how do they not have mitigating circumstance things set up yeah. so that they can do the running on a Monday if they need to? You know, we've all seen the weather at Spa in various racing series over the last year and a half, two years. It's been horrendous. I mean, the whole half the track got flooded off. <laughs> Literally, yeah. like, a landslide took half the track out. So, well, land, landslides are exaggeration, but you know, yeah. So, with all that in mind, it's just to me, it's just, it's just a lack of preparation, a lack of creativity, and it, and it just makes a it's, it makes a mockery of the sport. And it's just the whole way it's been it was handled is just completely and utterly farcical. And the lack of communication as well was like yeah. terrible. Like I've seen to so not um... know to not know what whether the race had even started yeah. two hours into the what was supposed to be the race. It's just, it's just absurd bonkers. to me. It just makes it look so... It makes, it makes the whole series look ridiculous. And, like, for the people at the track, so um, Yanis we were talking to on the Discord, he was actually there, like, chatting to us in person. Yeah. And, like, as I've seen from him and other people online, like, people there didn't know what was going on. Like, there was so mm. little information. Then they finally got the message, like, oh, the race is going to start, and everyone starts cheering, and then... They all wait around for that, and then they see two lights behind the safety car, and then everyone goes home. I, if I'd been there and I'd been stood in that rain all day, and they'd gone out on the safety car and done just two laps and then cancelled the race, I would be fuming, wouldn't yeah. you? Oh, completely. Yeah, like people spend a lot of money and a lot of time going to these things, and yeah. well, it, to not even tell them what's going on. Yeah, even the people who've paid to see it at home, like you know. Formula One in the UK is not free to watch. No, like we don't. You don't just flick on the telly and the Formula One's on. Like you have to either get Sky TV at great expense every year, um, or you need something like Now Now TV or something like that. You, I don't think we can even get. Most people can't get F1 TV here. No, unless you, you can't. Yeah, like unless you use a VPN and people yeah. do do that, but like. You can't. You're technically not supposed to even get F1 TV here, and even if you do, obviously you're going to be paying fair. I don't know what the cost is, but I know no it's idea. not cheap. It's not cheap, no. Um, so all those people who've who've sacrificed their time and their money to see a race to then be given that show is just it's it's an embarrassment. It's yeah, like I I genuinely think like this is almost as low a point for F1 as um, the US Grand Prix in 2005 with the six-car oh, start. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's got the it's same... It's bad for different reasons. Yeah, it? but it's, it's just got that same level of just incompetence and... Lack of preparation. and Yeah, and just not caring about the people who... Like, without the fans, F1 is nothing. And this just showed a real lack of care and respect for them and yeah just completely tone deaf that's the problem. yeah it's, it's one of those classic situations where they they're so sort of they, they can be so kind of tucked into that bubble without any contact with the outside world and this is one of those situations it's just like we're the you know we we're the sport we do what we want and we don't care what anyone else how it affects anyone else or we don't care about any of our fans to mm. me it said we don't care about the fans yeah it really does it well it's the first thing lewis hamilton said was money talks and i think he was right on the money there yeah um so it did 
Yeah, <laughs> didn't mean didn't mean to. Uh, yeah. I think a couple of other things that worth briefly mentioning is that, like, although the conditions were never good enough to race in this weekend, I do think the weekend as a whole highlighted what's kind of been a problem on and off for a couple of years now, which is that those Pirelli wet tires don't serve much purpose. Like, you don't see much actual racing on those. The basically the Pirelli wet tires are there to run around behind the safety car but how often do you see the second in a wet race the safety car's coming in everyone's back on inters because yeah well because they've cleared so much water that yeah they're good at clearing <laughs> water but no good for actually racing on yeah. which is well, the problem is the visibility isn't it it's not so much like the the, the, yeah. the tire itself is fine it does its job it clears the water it almost I mean, it's, it's too almost well. too good yeah. at, it's almost too good at it doing it because it does clear the water and it provides grip you know the, the two things that you want from a tire of that nature yeah um but yeah, the issue is the issue was never a um, a grip issue; it was a visibility issue. Wasn't yeah, it? and, okay. and uh, there comes a point when no, you can have the best wet weather tire in the world. At the end of the day, if the tracks yeah, if you can't see. completely flooded and you can't, well, if, you're going to get aquaplane and you're going to have no visibility. So yeah, exactly, you can't run. Um, another thing I've seen mentioned that I think is maybe something F1 needs to look at is the suitability of the safety car. It's <laughs> starting to feel a bit like. F1 is also outgrowing having like a high performance road car as the safety car. Um, and maybe they need to start pushing to have, you know, almost like a, a GT3 car or something, or like, you know, something a bit closer to that kind of spec of car. Cause yeah, something with some downforce. Yeah. Some of the downforce, something where the F1 cars behind it can go fast enough to actually generate some heat. But mm. that's a whole other issue that we won't get into right now. Yeah, I think well, the real struggle as well is, is I think for 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 all intents and purposes, the safety car for the most part is fine. I think in dry dry circumstances, the cars can generate heat and yeah, and I, all that just fine. I was going to say it's like in these conditions where they're being constantly cooled by the water from outside, well, from yeah. on the track. That that's I was, when they. I was about to say you still get even in dry conditions. The drivers complaining the F one the safety car is not going fast enough. But then again, that's been the case the entire time I've been watching F1 for the last, like, 20 years or whatever it's been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They always want the safety car to go faster. Yeah, yeah. uh, And complaining is the thing they do best, because we we know that, because that's the only ever time they've played the radio. Um, Um, A couple of other stats, just for points of interest. Um, It was Williams' first front row start uh, since 2017, when Lance Stroll started second at Monza. And it's also their first podium since 2017. Again, Lance Stroll finished third in Baku that year. Hmm. Um, he was also Ricardo's best qualifying performance since he joined McLaren, uh, fourth on the grid. Yes. Which was, uh, again, shame we didn't get to see what he could do. In, in his 200th race, like everything, I was really looking forward to him having a, a really solid weekend, but. Yeah. Didn't pan out. Not to be. <laughs> uh, Vettel's P5 on the grid was the best start for Aston Martin since 1959. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> They've been waiting a while for that one. Yeah. Um, this is normally the point where we do some awards. I guess we can do some awards based on Saturday. We can, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, how, you know, how much do we want to stick to our philosophy of points are only awarded to race winners, I guess? Though, well, to, to yeah, exactly. Do races, Apparently, but... we're making up the rules as we go along this race. Yeah, so. who knows? I mean, we, the, the lucky thing for us is only about, only a certain number of people find out and 
care. <laughs> so it's not the matter. We don't have millions and millions and millions of yeah. people following us and, you know, betting on us and doing all sorts over it's, the weekend. We, we, there's not, not there's not an entire economy revolves yeah. around our podcast, so we could do what we want. That did make <laughs> that reminds me actually, it did make me laugh a lot that immediately after the race, all of the various accounts like DHL and stuff that always tweet like the oh. fastest lap award yeah. all did their tweets for Mazepin getting the fastest lap. And then they all yeah. got hasty deleted and the official results don't record a fastest lap for this Grand Prix. Yeah. That was I don't even get me started on that. Yeah. Um. Uh, drive of the day probably should have been Norris, but given what happened, it's got to be Russell. But even then, actually, Russell, Russell putting that car on second, it was ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, it depends on, on the criteria. I think on this occasion, I'd, I'd happily give it to Perez because he gave the commentators something to talk about for <laughs> while they were while they were being held up. <laughs> Um, so I don't, I don't I don't think we can officially these are these are jokey these are not real but all these boxes you got we've got to no, call no, the no, appropriate no, boxes no. I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna stand <laughs> by our principles here and none of these are gonna be official um but they will we, we'll we'll have the discussion anyway how <laughs> do we say official because... like any of it matters <laughs> <laughs> it only matters when we work out the end of season stats yeah. It may it'll matter to it matters to someone out there. It will matter. Yeah. Um, move of the day then probably Perez. <laughs> no, I'll tell you exactly what move of the day was. It was um, Vettel uh, pulling up to check that Lando was okay after he crashed. That's something yeah. you don't see much these days. And yeah. it was a very it was a very Sebastian Vettel thing to do. Yeah, it was a very. It was. He's a, a nice guy, Sebastian Vettel. Did you see as well? Speaking of Vettel, did you see the Sky feature with, when um, Mick Schumacher and Karun Chandok were driving um, Michael Schumacher's uh, Jordan from his first ever race, the Seven Up Jordan? No, I didn't see that. But so I saw a tweet about it. Yeah. It so while while they were there filming that, Seb was also at Silverstone for something obviously they're filming something he was there in his race overalls and just like in the middle of the feature there was just a clip where like seb came over while mick was like sat in the car getting used to it and seb was just kind of like chatting to him about it and like talking through and giving some tips on like how to handle that manual gearbox and stuff and it's just like i know there's just something very heartwarming about it and like i think someone in the discord said like it kind of feels like seb is there being that kind of father figure within the sport for Mick Schumacher that he's sadly unable to have from Michael. And that's a nice, it's, yeah, yeah. That's really nice. Thought, and like the two it? of them were like kicking a football around in the pits while nothing was happening and stuff like that. Like, uh, did they play catch? No, there were, <laughs> I saw, there was a clip of someone playing catch and doing a really bad job of it, but no, <laughs> they, were just, they were just kicking a football around in a garage full of expensive things they probably shouldn't be kicking a football at. There's always a clip of um, Gasly playing a weird form of catch with his. Oh uh, yeah, with the two the tennis race. balls. Yeah, that should go on a bingo card. That because that that I see that shot all the time. Actually, yeah, get that on the bingo cards. Yeah, they love that shot. They, but sometimes it, I, sometimes I feel like they show it during ab breaks, and I get it because <laughs> I've got the world. <laughs> um, and I guess if we want to mention a WTF, it's just everything. It's. <laughs> yeah, I think Christian Horner saying. Our car got back to the garage <laughs> yeah, under its own actually. power when everyone literally saw them put it on the back of a lorry <laughs> and the driver get out of the car and climb out of the racetrack. 
Uh, how how can he say that without laughing? That's <laughs> just bizarre. <laughs> that's like levels of fake news, like in Singapore when Ferrari were like, um, oh. was it Verstappen crashed into Seb and then crashed into Kimmy? And I was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> we all saw it with our own That was, oh, wow, I remember that. That was so good. It, it, uh, it really is that level. I think, yeah. that, I think that actually transcends that. <laughs> Honestly, I really does. do. And you know what? Like a lot, a lot of people have a bit of a problem with Christian Horner. I've noticed, and people sort of give him a lot of grief. And I never really like fully, fully understood why until this weekend when I saw him make those comments. <laughs> and I was like, actually, you know what? That's just outrageous. How can he say that when everyone, literally everyone watching, has seen the opposite happen? It's Bizarre, strange, strange thing. Time to take just a moment away from this week's episode to talk to you about the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. It includes their new Lawnmower version 4, the waterproof trimmer with advanced skin safe technology, and it now even comes with a travel lock, meaning no more embarrassing activations in airports and the like. You can get 20% off the package by heading to manscaped.com and using the code BOTG. You will also get free shipping on the whole box. It also includes the nose and ear hair trimmer, known as the Weed Whacker, as well as the Crop Reviver Toner and their Crop Preserver Deodorant. Manscaped are trusted by over 2 million customers worldwide, and that includes the three of us. So remember, if you want to get 20% off the brand new Performance Package 4.0, head to manscaped.com and use code BOTG. That's manscaped.com and code BOTG. Should we we do predictions? Because... Yeah. We have to do them. Um, there was an official race result, so there are predictions results. Um, yeah. Not this great. This is out of our... Just, 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 just to confirm, our principles have nothing to do with this. If there is a race result, then we have to do this. Yeah. So our, our hand has been forced. We, we're, we're not going to start deciding which races we do and don't apply them to. No, no, um, no. We're not... That's a recipe for disaster. I think I we'd mean, lose a lot of listeners if we did that. You, you could accuse us of... Uh, only doing that because it benefited us, but then you find out that between the three of us, we scored two points. Yeah. So um, it's of no benefit to us. Me and Tom had uh, Verstappen as the winner. Um, that was the closest we got. Um, amazingly, uh, Sal got four points from that race. Um, the only thing they got wrong was Stroll's finishing position because, of course, in all of the chaos, the stewards found time to give Stroll a 10-second penalty for changing his rear wing, dropping him to last place because that was a really, obviously, important thing for the students to do post-race. Yeah. Um, ten people actually correctly guessed 20th place for Stroll. Um, oh, wow. And then they obviously all understand we had him as first DNF as well, but there were no DNFs, so none of them got a second point for that, unfortunately. Um, in the overall leaderboard, it's still crazy tight at the top. We've got uh, Alex Tascarb and Nate Everett tied in first place on 23 points. Then six people are tied for third, two points behind them. Uh, that includes you, Stu, and oh, wow. friend still of the show, we... Ashley Foster, tied for third. Goodness. Uh, and then me and Tom are a further two points behind you guys. So, like, super duper close in, like, the top. 20 odd places i think in the table are covered by six points or something daft like that no not yeah. even that four points really close yeah um actually yes roxy uh in the discord she's also in that third place fight so 
much like the real championship, probably going to go down to the wire, I think. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, a few newsy bits, uh, just quickly. Uh, unless there's anything else you want to talk about from uh, well, we'll just the quote-unquote race. We should do takeaways, I think. Um, the t- I think the takeaway, the main takeaway is really Formula 1 needs to take a look at itself after this weekend. Yes. Um, you know, t- and take a look at the rule book. Yeah. Well, and maybe maybe tie up some loose ends. <laughs> <laughs> because, tie up a lot of loose ends. Yeah, um, there's some work to do there. <laughs> yeah. And just like think about the impression you're giving the world watching you because yeah because the world come across great yeah millions of people tuned in for that yeah and none of them even knew if the race had started yeah i think we were probably in the minority chris as people who stuck with it through i imagine so because i did have football on for a portion of it as well but, um, I mean, yeah, I, I sat and played the F1 game and had it on the yeah. the actual quote unquote race on my laptop next to me. Well, at least you got some um, some Formula One entertainment. It's great. Actually. I had a really good race at Bahrain. Um, I two stopped while a lot of others were one stopping and managed to uh, nick a podium. Thought you'd thought you'd not bother with Spa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll go to Bahrain. I'm better at Bahrain. What, do you? What's, what's your favourite track on the on the game? Canada's always Canada. been my favourite. Other, Other than, than that, um, what else do I like driving? Bahrain is actually up there. I used to hate Bahrain, but actually, I do really enjoy driving from that circuit. Is it just because it's at the start of the season and you know it better? Because I've driven it more than, than most tracks. Yeah, it probably yeah. is. I, I actually genuinely do really like Spa to drive on. The oh game. yeah, Spa. I've, I've always enjoyed doing Spa, and I think. Suzuka as well is fantastic. Uh, Suzuka's great. For, yeah. If you can hook up that first sector, Suzuka is absolutely In fact, they, um, a couple of years ago, they um, updated Suzuka in the F1 games. They, I think they went away and like had the place laser scanned, and it's phenomenal on the new games. So much fun really? to play. Oh, anyway, this is um, a wild tangent. Yeah, well, we're just I'm just going to keep us on this tangent oh, no. briefly, because that, Suzuka is one of the tracks that me and you bonded over when we first sort of became friends can you remember when we thought actually three i think yeah we actually we'd lived together by this point, yeah I think, but we used to play um thoughts of three and um we'd get we'd both get a ferrari gt car because there were two slightly different ferrari gt cars <laughs> that we'd each get and race against each other on that track and i would always i was always a bit quicker in the first sector yeah. In the yeah, in the first sector, we were about the same in the middle sector, and you were always quicker in the final sector. Yeah, because you could do spoon better than I could do. Yeah, we spent hours just going around that same track. Yeah, oh, we had some it's... banging races as well there because we were so evenly matched on it. It was such good fun. I really before, miss like, any esports or any of that stuff. <laughs> it was just two guys in a living room with two controllers. And an Xbox and a telly, and it was wicked fun. Anyway, and now we do a podcast together. (laughs) Yeah, I really miss Suzuka. It's such Mm. a shame we're not there again this year. It is a shame they cancelled it. So, newsy bits. Newsy bits. Um, We had Perez confirmed at Red Bull for next season over the weekend. Um, I think the smart choice for Red Bull. Um, He's not been doing a phenomenal job. He's been doing a good enough job to deserve a second season for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think he's probably glad that they signed that contract before the weekend started. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it, is, it's, it seems like the smart choice yeah. for the moment. 
Uh, we also had Alonso confirmed at Alpine for next season. I and what looked like most of the rest of the world already seemed to think he was confirmed for next season. Apparently he wasn't. Yeah, he is now. I think it was like they announced ages ago that like there was an option on him for next season. So this was just confirming that Alpine and Alonso want to take that option, which was obviously what was going to happen anyway. Mm. Um, Toto Wolf, in other driver news, has now said a decision has been made on the Mercedes seat for next year. Oh my goodness! But they are dragging it out, ready to announce it just yet. Yeah, so there's potentially a reason for that. So obviously, Russell and Bottas were getting asked about this a lot over the weekend. Watching the body language and listening to their answers, it's looking increasingly like it's Russell's seat. Like they were both being very coy about their answers, obviously, but the impression that you got from them both that was that it's Russell's seat. Um, Bottas um, yesterday was like posting a load of pictures um, of him in Monaco with his new, he's got a Mercedes AMG GT Black Series, which is an amazing looking car. Um, yeah, and it's kind of legit. He's sort of got it in the same kind of livery as the his F1 car as well. It's really cool. Um, but in among it all, he also posted just a picture of like his view over Monaco Harbour. And then just on the desk in the front of shot was what looked like a face down contract with a pen lying on top of it, which. <sighs> That's either a really strong hint or he's just messing with everyone, but I love it, whichever it is. Yeah. He's um, he's done stuff like that in the past, though. He's done yeah. sort of little cheeky little messes around with, with people in the past. Because I think he just doesn't care. Yeah, he, he enjoys that care stuff. What anyone thinks. So he doesn't he does enjoy a, a fool around, doesn't he? Yeah. Um but one story that's now doing the round, which may explain the delay in the announcement, is that uh Alpha Romeo want to wait until their home race in Monza so they can announce Kimi's retirement and them signing Bottas at their home race uh, is right. one of the current ways of thinking. Um, it's also now really strongly rumored. This is, it's, it's, well, it's not news because it's a rumor, but it's it's breaking like not long before we started recording. Breaking rumors. Breaking rumors. The, the thinking now seems to be that Nick DeVries is going to be joining the grid next year, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. But instead of Williams, he's going to be taking Giovinazzi's seat at Alfa Romeo, which has come a little bit out of the blue. It, it, it would mean Alfa Romeo had no Ferrari drivers there, which <laughs> seems a little strange. But then we also know that uh, Toto Wolff and Frederick Vasseur, you know, they're really good friends. They've worked together a lot. There's pretty close ties with them. Um, and yeah, that seems to be the predominant way of thinking now. You don't think there's changes afoot at Alfa Romeo, do you? Could be. Could well be. I mean... Is Toto Wolf about to hit the reset button <laughs> and, start a new, and start a new campaign? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a weird one, that. And I'd like to see. I think Nick DeVries deserves a shot. Um, really surprised that it's now looking like he might be at... Alpha, not Williams, but there we go. Um, Giovinazzi, they're saying, will stay within Ferrari. He's already been tipped to potentially like be on the list for Ferrari's Le Mans hypercar program that they're starting in a year or two's time. So maybe that's where they're going to send him. Um, and then if that scenario plays out the way the rumours are saying, the Williams seat is going to go to Alex Albon instead. Uh, wow. we, Bla- we, blast from the past, Alex yeah. Albon. Yeah. 
We know that Red Bull have been pushing quite hard to find space in the grid for him. They still want him on the F1 grid. Like, you know, they want more drivers in their pool on the grid. Um, also, uh, Joss Capito, the Williams CEO, um, he previously ran the VW uh, World Rally Championship team, which was Red Bull sponsored. So he knows the management well. He's worked with them before. So it's not completely out of the yeah, realms of no, possibility definitely, yeah it's, it's it, no it seems seems legit yeah so seems possible well uh monza's two races time is it i think yes dutch grand prix and then monza yeah so after. it's looking like this stuff is finally going to shake out within the coming couple of weeks which will be nice to finally have um and then the last bit of news is that the season's now officially been reduced to 22 rounds rather than 23 after they removed um japan they're not going to try and find another race for that there's mm-hmm. still that TBC start on the calendar, but with that's probably going to be Qatar or yeah. Bahrain seems to be the way of thinking at this point. Yeah, I f- it's very, very, very likely to be Qatar. Yeah, those rumours are picking up steam by the day, it seems. So it's mm. expecting to have that announced fairly soon. Um, mm. Which brings us on to, as you said, the Dutch Grand Prix this coming weekend. After a few years of talking about it, it's finally happening. We're finally, finally. getting a race at Zandvoort. Very exciting. Um, I'm excited to see it. Um, I, I'm not... Actually, speaking of fun tracks to drive, Zandvoort is a very fun track to drive. Is it? Yeah. Is it difficult to overtake at, Chris? Extremely. Is it? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> unless you get a good run out of the banked corner and get them down the main straight, probably single file for the rest of the yeah. track hopefully I, there's a monster drs section down there yeah that there is a second drs section on the back straight but the corner it goes into i don't think he's going to lend itself to overtaking um i'd like to be proven wrong but i've always been of the opinion that it's not going to be a great circuit to race at. Yeah. qualifying should be fun though well yeah you know and also like i said last week they, they do find ways of overtaking when they when they're all new to a track they do find weird they places do. to overtake each other so. unforgiving circuit as well Lots Good. of gravel, lots of... It's a very tight circuit. Lots of walls and gravel. Um, Good, good. It's going to be... Um, it should be that way. I think I think if you go off the track, it, you should be punished for it. Yeah. I've always said that. Um, and, um, and we're going to have to try and make some predictions. <laughs> it's a track F1 has not been to yeah. in literal well, decades. And also the form book at the minute is just in tatters oh, yeah. on the floor because there's literally no way of telling anyone's form because the last Completely. Two race, obviously the last race did literally didn't happen and hungary was hungary <laughs> so what you got before that great britain um and that's weeks and weeks and weeks ago now so all yeah the cars plus been, we didn't really get a gauge on the top two in that race anyway because one of them no. didn't make it past <laughs> true the first sector um i think you'd be mad to better against Verstappen on home turf though wouldn't you absolutely so so we already have Tom's predictions he sent them in either can't be here so in order for him to do that we picked the random driver ahead of time and wouldn't you know I promise this was randomly picked wouldn't you know our random driver is Max Verstappen yeah triple ver Jeff triple ver yeah so fast in Q3 Tom's gone Verstappen where are you going to do you got to go Verstappen, haven't you? You you just have to go Verstappen. I think the I think it's, it looks like a downforce track to me as well. So yeah, lots of um, sort of medium speed corners, which is pretty Red Bull territory, I would say. Yeah. 
Um, um, I'm good. Tom's gone double Verstappen. I'm also going double Verstappen. Yeah, I, again, double Verstappen for this one. There's difficulty to overtake the fact that he's gonna he's gonna win this on Saturday. Yeah, I think so. Um, and if he doesn't win it on Sunday, then the Orange Army are gonna That's, tear the place to pieces. Yeah, yeah, literally. I wouldn't want to be. I want to be <laughs> around there wearing a Mercedes hat. <laughs> um, Get <Yeah>, decapitated. <laughs> First DNF, Tom has gone for Kimi Raikkonen, as Tom has been saying Raikkonen for the entire season, hoping that one day it will come true. Hmm. Oh. I'm going to go Verstappen. Oh, wait. Oh, you're going to hedge your bets? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Oh, you've put... You've put I have. I've put it in the wrong box. Um, first DNF, I am going to go for... That there's gonna be contact in that first corner. There's absolutely gonna be contact in that first corner. So you know, I, can I? I'm, I need to rescind my silly, silly choice there. Oh, That's just ridiculous. I can't do this. It's too close out. at the top to be messing around like this. Um, I'll allow it. Go on. I'll let you. You. You uh, carry on your train of thought there. I feel like it's gonna be like a mid pack in the crush. Is it like a Stroll, a Gasly? Sonoda. A Sonoda. It's someone in that. So- no, Sonoda, to be fair, Sonoda's been tends- kept his nose clean. Yeah, well, because um, he's starting towards the back so he can yeah. watch what's happening and avoid it. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with right my my first instinct and say Stroll. Who I'm are you really go- going for? Um, I was tempted then to say Leclerc's due for a bit of bad luck. Because he's been sort of, he's dropped off of his mm. teammate a touch. Um, but then he's the sort of driver that could actually do really well compared to the others at Zanvoort being a newish track. Um, I wish I knew who'd driven this track before. Obviously, they're all going to be driving it on simulators to their blue in the face anyway. Yeah. Um, um, Verstappen definitely has. I think Norris and Russell probably have in like Masters of F3. I believe mm, I'm not going to say Vettel because I'm not cruel. <laughs> it's Stroll is a good bet, but uh, Raikkonen, Giovinazzi, Mazapan. I'm going to go Mazapan. I think it's the sort of track that's going to, because it's a punishing track and because of the mm-hmm. perceived performance gap between Mazapan and his teammate and indeed the rest of the field and the difficulty of driving that car, I think it's the sort of track where if he's going to have a DNF, it's going to be of his own, and it's going to be of his own making, this is the one that's going to happen. Yeah. So. Uh, number of finishes, I'm going to make you go first this time. Well, Tom's gone first, he said 18. Uh, 17 is my magic number this season. 18 feels a little high. Do I copy you or do I go 6? I think I'm going to copy you and go 17. That feels right. Mm. Um, as I've always said, our random driver is Verstappen. Tom has um, gone all in and said Verstappen will come first. Are we hedging our bets or are we going all in? No, I'm going all in. I'm, I'm going all in I'm, as well. Yeah, first. I think you have to. I it's think the rare why, why not? triple Verstappen this week in the predictions. Nearly the quadruple from Stu. Yeah, nearly. Um, that's what we think but if you want to get involved it is never too late because we have a prize on offer every week if anyone can get 5 out of 5 just go to backofthegrid.com where you can sign up for free 
and enter your predictions you have until the beginning of Q1 to enter them. Which uh, brings us to... Is... Uh, keep me saying now. Let's stay, let's stay Ben Claxton and a couple from Ben Claxton and Wesley. Um, first one from Ben says, with all the talk of many teams potentially needing to use a fourth engine this season, what impact will the lack of racing at Spa have on power unit usage for the rest of the season? That's a very good question. And um, Wesley asked something similar. What impact, if any, does not really running a race have on engine supplies for the rest of the season? Are teams that are looking at power unit penalties going to see any relief or just delay the inevitable? Makes it a bit less marginal, I suppose, isn't it? It does, because a few teams, Red Bull of, of most significance, are still probably going to need to take a penalty late in the season. Um, if anything, I think Red Bull are probably ruining not doing it this weekend. Because yeah. if they'd have done it this weekend, they'd have got a brand new power unit, um, not put any miles on it, or, or next to no miles on it. Um and then had the minimum amount of loss for it. Yes, uh, Verstappen wouldn't have won the race, but it was a half-point race, wouldn't have made a massive difference. Um, but but the thing is, if they had done it, they wouldn't have had the opportunity to make up any places. So they would have been kicking and screaming louder than anyone. Yeah, it's true. Points shouldn't have been awarded. Exactly, so you yeah. Can, you can bet your bottom dollar on that one. Yeah, it's, it, is, it is still like kind of a double win for Red Bull in that regard, though. It's... Less miles on the power units I've got left, and a, a win for not having to do anything. Yeah, and a lot of it as well is it, it's only one session really. Like, it, yeah, you, you have different race engines to what your practice race, what your practice engines are. So, yeah. um, as soon as practice is done, then they'll switch the engines over to the actual race engines to go qualifying and racing in, and. In that regard, it is a big win, isn't it? Because they've they've got a whole what you know two hours of of running, yeah, of hard running as well because it's a power circuit. So yeah, they've definitely benefited, I think, from this. Yeah, I think gonna it massively could, help. Might save them, might not, probably won't, but might might just might just save them. Uh, Stephen Barlow says, "Can Williams catch Aston Martin with this crazy year so far? I'd put a cheeky bet on." <laughs> uh, what's the gap there now? Williams are on 20 points, Aston Martin are on 53. Well, I think if Williams keep having races like this... <laughs> well, yeah. If George can keep qualifying like that, um, I think that's probably a bit too big an ask. Mm. Good, um, Fun question, though. Yeah. Um, DW says, the comedy of watching the elitist of motorsport looking like they're making it up as they go, has there ever been a rain out in F1. So I'm assuming rain out is a, what a, a washout. Just washed out. Yeah. So there's, there's been races cut short because of the weather before, and there's been qualifying sessions like canceled and run the next day because of the rain, but we've yeah. never had, I don't, I don't believe we've ever had a race just completely not happen. Like yeah, what, as recently as, Last couple of years, um, Japan they did the whole thing on the qualifying and race on Sunday, a Sunday morning one. qualifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't think it's ever happened like this where there just hasn't been a race. No, I, no, I and mean, they're literally that. I think we can say 
and speak for most of the internet when we say there wasn't a race this weekend. There was not a race. Uh, next, Katie says, after that um, race, it got me <laughs> thinking, uh, what are the top three races in F1's 1,000-plus race history you wish you'd been a spectator at? Oh, my God. Um, um, I'm gonna just flick through the history book in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I think the 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 wet race at Silverstone, um, Hamilton won the championship that year. I think 2008. Yeah, I think it was um, Hamilton's first Silverstone win, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he wiped the floor. Yeah. F- forgive the pun. He wiped the floor with the entire field. I think he finished like well over a minute ahead of everyone yeah. else. Um, That's and a really good one. The field in the prison. That was that would have been a rad one to go to. And that was like when I'd. I'd sort of not been into Formula One for that long at that point, so it would have been extra special because I would have mm-hmm. been even more excited, and I was all, and I was a lot younger. Um, what else? Canada when Button yes won, and I missed the entire thing because I was on a train. But then got well, thought I'd missed the entire thing because I was on a train. <laughs> got home and the race was still running at <laughs> seven PM or something ridiculous. Um. What else? I'm trying to pick out wet ones specifically. Yeah, Senna at Donington. Yeah, that would have been a been heck a of a race one. to witness in person. Um, Brazil, Brazil when Verstappen won in the wet. Yeah, did he win in the wet? Yeah, he did win in the yeah. wet. He, oh no, he, yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he did. Um, and speaking of Brazil, Jensen Button's uh, championship winning race as well. Would love to have been at that. Yeah, that would have been a really good one. That's, I think that's, that's a good that. list. I think, I think. I think we've got. They've definitely. Yeah, got a good, that's, good, that's a good, good list, strong uh, list. There's some good races in that. Michelle says, "Do you think Lando can fight for pole again, or do you think that it was the wet conditions that made the McLaren so on point last Saturday?" It's mm. a good one. His... I can see there being like races where they could be like within touching distance. He's been ball, close yeah. a few times, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, I think like Imola, he came extremely close. Um, obviously, this weekend he could well have done. Mm. Um, this season, like this season, ha- has not sort of given us all of its weirdness yet. I don't think by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. I think there's, there's always definitely... more weirdness. Yeah. Yeah. Italy is going to be a weird one. For sure, Monza will be. I've already kind of had Italy, but Monza. Um, the Italian Grand Prix tends to throw up, in recent years, has thrown up some surprises, especially during qualifying because they're all trying to slipstream each other at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Zandvoort next week could could have some surprises in store for us as well. Yeah, I don't think necessarily, despite my predictions that I've just made about Verstappen and him, I, you know, I definitely wouldn't bet against Verstappen at home. But also, new circuit, you know, high pressure on Verstappen. Like, he's not experienced an actual home race before. Is he going to put himself under that bit too much pressure? Are yeah, we going to see some, something really, really mental happen? It's the sort of circuit. I mean, we could even have, we could have, I hate to say it, but we could have some sort of tyre situation or something like that with that big bank corner. Um, yeah, well, probably reckon- aren't doing anything special with the tires no they was talking they reckon bringing it's... like a special zandvoort tire but they're not yeah but um well they reckon it puts silverstone is um a more um it gives the tires more hammer than what oh really um, zandvoort does yeah yeah and the tires were 
pretty much fine from what I could see on at Silverstone this year. So. Yeah, actually. There's a lot then, of worry you know, about that, but we'll see. They don't really know. They no. don't actually really know until everyone's running um running very downforce the and stuff. This is a bit of an unknown. So qualifying it only takes a tiny mistake and if you're under that extra bit of pressure, then yeah, you know, it could be this could be the one new circuit if they're gonna do it. There's a and again, you know, there's there's further races down through the season, I think, that are gonna throw up there's some more. So many as unknowns well. still. So, yeah, there's just so many unknowns. I mean and a couple more new tracks to come as well. Yeah. So yeah, and and Turkey, Turkey last year was hectic. So yeah, I that... expect that's gonna be low grip, high <laughs> mentalness this year. Um yeah, to answer the question, yes, I definitely think Lando is going to be in with a shot of getting a pole at some point this season, conditions yeah. or not. Um, a big question from Paul. Do you think Michael Massey is the right man for the job? He seems to make decisions based more on a commercial mm. aspect than purely on a rule slash safety basis. Um, I've made this argument in the past. Um, I don't feel... I think I said, I don't know, earlier this season or last season, I said that it's it's the first time in the last year or two that I feel like, in many respects, safety has gone backwards a little bit in Formula One. And I don't think that's been the case for a good number of years. I, I do disagree with decisions he makes far more than I ever did with Charlie Whiting. Yeah, Which is not to say Charlie Whiting was perfect. He still made a few questionable choices, particularly actually in changeable conditions like this. He also tended to like to just send the cars out and see what happens. But the problem is, I don't think there is anyone else that could do that job. Like Michael Massey has kind of been the guy, the understudy to Charlie Whiting for a good number of years now. He was the person there ready to step into those boots. And I don't think there's anyone you could just plonk into that role without you know, a bit of an apprenticeship kind of thing. Yeah. I think he's got a raw deal because he's he's in a situation where it's different for Michael Massey to what it was for Charlie Whiting. Charlie Whiting, we didn't really get much you didn't really see much of Charlie Whiting. He was sort of in the in the background making sure things went smoothly, sort of not really in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And whether whether it's his own whether it's Michael's own choice or not, I definitely feel like Michael Massey is much more in the spotlight than what um, Charlie Whiting ever was. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know whether that's his own doing or whether that's the uh, whether he's you know whether he's chosen to be more open with his role. I mean, we were whether... speaking last week about the role of like social media in sport these days, and that's a massive part of it as well. Like, yeah, I people definitely... want more content. <laughs> Yeah, the, the you know the internet likes content and from like making that content, and I think mm-hmm. part of the problem is we we do have this access to him that we didn't have before, especially during the races when they've got the the recent um, team radio to steward FIA yeah. radio thing that they've been doing, which I I just I struggle. I, I have not seen one of those radio messages yet that makes the sport look good. <laughs> no, so. He's got that to contend with. Um, 
he's got the guy's got the toughest job in the whole sport. I think trying to he's like trying to herd cats, trying to get Formula One teams to behave themselves and and keep things in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially and you, when you've got every cat with a telephone to its ear, screaming down the phone, going, "I sent you an email," <laughs> <laughs> or "I need why, this." Why, why are they doing that? Cast? That's it. Why is this? Why is that? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's, you know, it must be like being in charge of a crash. <laughs> so um when you've got all that going on and you're trying to run a race or and you're trying to juggle or spin the many plates involved in in dealing with the situations that formula one races throw up particularly the ones like we had this weekend it's just impossible for him to come off looking looking good like it's very very difficult to look good yeah you, you're you're either being criticized or you're invisible and not being thought about i suppose in that kind yeah. of role and i know which i'd rather i'd much rather be invisible and but that, i mean that's probably just me but then again i do a podcast so yeah but well not. it's it's but, like after um grosjean's crash in bahrain where everyone was like oh we're only now like finding out the names of the medical car staff but it's like that's a good thing because if you don't know their names it means you've never had to like see a yeah. situation where they're the center of attention and that's exactly what you want. And yeah, yeah, I think his role should be akin to that. And yeah. Yeah, I think all this sort of attention that he does get actually is probably distracting. And it's mm. probably if if he's not being very good at his job, which is I guess what certain corners of the internet are saying, then it's probably because he's got people in his ear distracting him all the time and not mm-hmm. he's, he's unable to do a good job. I don't believe for one second that um, Charlie Whiting would have had the same level of distraction going on in his, no. in his role as what um, Michael has. I may, you know, I could be completely wrong. Probably was getting sent emails left, right and centre, but obviously not checking his email. In the famous words of Michael Massey, <laughs> not checking his emails during a Formula <laughs> One race. But that's it. Like he In that role, he needs to be left alone to run the race and make sure everything is safe. Like, there shouldn't be anything else distracting him from that job. And I think, I think there is. And I, I have disagreed with a lot of decisions he's made in the last couple of years, but are they decisions he's making? Are they decisions he's having to make under pressure from other things? So he's not being given the right circumstances to make them. Like we don't necessarily know that, but mm. I do. Or agree is he just that... an absolute renegade and now he's off the lead and Charlie White yeah, is not just around to tell him what doing to do. Whatever he he's wants. just doing whatever he wants and trying out new it's, things and, yeah. you know, testing the water for himself, you know, like it's, it's just impossible to tell. Like, what, Yeah. Whatever the cause, I do think there have been a lot of questionable decisions in recent years. And I think, I think what bothers me more, and we had a little bit of it this weekend just gone as well, is whenever there's any criticism about the way things were run, the response from him and from the FIA in general is always just, no, he was fine. And whenever yeah. you say, oh, well, should you have done it this way? Would this not have been a better way? And it's always just like, no, it's fine. Not concerned. Nothing to worry about. Don't worry about it. It's like, yeah. you. Well, it's like a leader of a political party almost. Isn't it kind it? of is, yeah. And without when actually answering them. When you're dealing with safety, you should never be content with the level you're at. You should always be questioning things and looking at the way things can be done better. And yeah. again, we, I'm, I'm taking this from the little clips of interviews you see with people, and that's a tiny percentage of the story. But the impression that's given is that that is not always the way things are thought about, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's very clear that he's coming for a lot more criticism than Charlie Whiting has. I think there's no doubt about that. <laughs> 
Jeff in the chat says Vettel for race director, which is actually something we were talking about during the race on Sunday is I really hope Sebastian Vettel gets some role in the FIA when he retires, be it race director or personally, I'd love Vettel to be the next FIA president. I think he would make a fantastic FIA president. I don't know if that's something he would want to do, but Mm. something I would like to see. Yeah, he's a very smart bloke as well. So it'd be, it'd be oh, nice he's brilliant. To have a guy like that in the in the role. Not that the current FI president isn't a very smart bloke, because he definitely is. Oh, Next yeah. one, <laughs> Rory Clark says regarding the cost cap, the amount they overspend should be doubled and then paid into a fund that is redistributed to the other teams in reverse championship order. I.e., Haas will get the most, and Williams, etc. This pool is also outside the cost cap. So if you overspend, you will actually be helping your rivals. Ooh, that I like that is bloody genius, isn't That's it? Really That's really good. That's a really clever one. That'll discourage <laughs> them from overspending. I take it back, Rory from FIA president. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually, no, Rory can um, take over from Ross when he retires. That's really good. I like that, though. Because, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, it's it's no good just finding teams. You need to... Put them at a disadvantage and yeah. helping the other teams is about the biggest disadvantage you can get. Yeah, you won't get much overspending either if if, they, <laughs> if those were the rules. I'll tell you that for sure. Or they go to much much greater efforts to <laughs> disguise their spending if they did. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. There's not much to add to that. No, I like that. Uh, next, Jim Bob says, as much as Spa ended up being a farce, I definitely feel uh, a half points finish fits the narrative of this crazy season. How likely do you think it will be for this season to go down to the last race or even the last lap? Um, it's hard to say right now because we've not had a proper race for the last two races in fact we've not well the last race as we keep (laughs) saying wasn't a race and then the race before it was just bonkers so the form book is is in tatters at the moment it's really difficult to predict what the rest of the season is going to do we don't even know how many races we're actually going to have for the rest of the season either so no i mean for, i mean obviously there's a calendar and there's a schedule but are we going to stick to that schedule a, a race is going to be cancelled who knows so it really i think it's it's one of those things now where it's almost this second half of the season you just have to take race by race basis and 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 see where you are at the end of each race yeah uh, I mean, it's so difficult to predict. Right now, I think all signs are pointing to it going down to the last race. Um, I would say so. Yeah. <clears throat> like no if one, I'm going to answer the actual question. Then. I think I'm right in saying all season, neither driver has been more than a race win ahead. I don't think, and if they have, it was for like one round. But I, I can't see that changing um, at this point in time. Hmm. Um, next one, Charlie Brigden says. What are your thoughts on the let them race? They know it's dangerous mindset. Um, I think it's, I just think why put them in the position yeah, in the first I, place when it's clearly so dangerous? I think I, I, I really, I'm not, not a fan of that mindset. No, I, I really dislike it. It's There always seems to be, and I think it's a vocal minority, but you always see this this like subset of F1 fans. That Chest are like, thumping. Yeah, like, oh, there should be gladiators. Man. It should be dangerous. And it's like, no, if if you need the risk of injury death. and death to enjoy a sport, then maybe you, give bullfighting a, a go. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it's just yeah, it's not Rome in the what gladiator times. It's, yeah, exactly. Like it's 2021. Since like the 
what was it like mid to late 60s i guess f1's just been on a constant strive to make things safer and it, it, it always will be like it just always has to be and, and most sport in general has to be so yeah i yeah, we don't need we don't need Michael Massey sitting at a podium with his thumb out, <laughs> up or down or sideways. <laughs> Send it's not out. gladiator. Uh, and finally, this week, Tom, but not not that Tom, different Tom, uh, says not to take anything away from Russell this weekend, but given that he got his maiden podium basically handed to him, how many things do you think Nico Hulkenberg has thrown at his TV this weekend? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I would love to know what Nico Nico Huggleby's thoughts are on this weekend just gone by. I imagine not very positive. Does he do like punditry for German TV? I'm not sure. I Maybe. haven't sit, seen him for a while. I don't know what he's up to these days. Um, Wes says he thinks he does. Um, okay, I'd, li- I'd like to hear more of what Hulkenberg has to say about things because um, his name was circling around the Williams seat at one point this season, but that seems to have gone quiet again there. He's always there or thereabouts. His name isn't it. It's always there's always rumbling. Whenever there's and a seat kind of free, like, yeah, you kind of and you do want it for him as well. Still, I think it's, he still has more to give for me than one that guy. But he's yeah. he kind of I think at this point in time he's kind of in that position where it's like we've decided to be writing like a top ten list of potential drivers for this seat. Like oh no, we've only got seven. Stick Hawkenberg on there. He's always in the mix. But then he did so well at those couple of races that he was at last year. Was it last year? Yeah, last year. Uh, yes, it when was. He yeah, because he sat in for. Was it he sat in for Stroll or was it Vettel? He sat in. No, what, it was, was once for once for Perez, once for Stroll. That was it. Um, and he did an amazing job. job. Yeah, really good. So, he qualified third at Silverstone, didn't he? Yeah. So I think. Wow. Oh, Roxy says he got married a few weeks back. So. Oh, that's. He's nice. probably. Far more interesting things than a washed out F one race on his agenda right now. Yeah, definitely. He's probably busy sunning himself somewhere nice and hot on his honeymoon. Yeah. Um, and I think that brings us to the end this week. Um, we, we've managed to do a normal length podcast on a race that didn't happen, for better or worse. Um, yeah. So thank De- you. But for... I think there's, you know, it's definitely, there's there's interesting comment in there that we've um, there's... that we've covered. You know, everyone's got an opinion. I don't think our opinion is much different from the rest <laughs> of the internet and the rest of the world, but people want to hear it so f1 has definitely come out of the weekend with plenty to discuss and think about um yeah let's hope we all learn from the experience and and move forward and grow as people and grow as people uh but yes thank you everyone for uh joining us and for everyone um who's been chatting to us on the internet and stuff it was nice to sort of discuss the situation in real time with people uh like on twitter and stuff and on Discord. <laughs> yeah we had to find something to get us interested um, if you want to get in touch with us uh, before the next episode, you can in all the usual places, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those things. Uh, just search Back to the Grid. You can also go to backthegrid.com where there's a contact form and that's where you can also sign up for the Predictions League. Uh, and again, you have until the start of Q1 to enter that if you uh, haven't already. And I think that will do us. So we'll be back in a week's time to review the Dutch Grand Prix from Zandvoort. Yeah. You got very much looking yeah. forward to. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we'll get at least one green flag left this time. <laughs> um, Let's hope so. What's the weather doing this weekend? Zambia? Should we have a quick look? Should we finish with a quick weather report? Weather this weekend. 
19 degrees, sunny spells. Um, Sunday's supposed to rain. Oh. Oh, God. <sighs> Great. Brilliant. It's double cool. drops as well. Double drops rain. Oh, no. This is according to Google. Cool, so, cool, cool. I mean, but, we, you know, long-range forecasts, uh, you never really know, do you? So No. Let's hope Anyway, that'll wrap us up for the week. Thank you again for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Goodbye.